This is episode 137 with co-host of the Marathon Training Academy podcast, 50-state marathon finisher, and someone who ran a PR in her 40s 10 years after her first personal best, Ms. Angie Spencer. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host today, the head coach of strength running and a true split leg short shorts lover, Jason Fitzgerald. My job is to bring you the smartest people in the fitness industry to help you get stronger, stay healthy, and race faster. You can expect elite runners, performance psychologists, strength experts, running coaches, physiotherapists, and even coaching calls here on the podcast. The goal with the show is to give you new ideas for elevating your running. Because as I like to say, knowledge is a competitive advantage. If you're new to the show, feel free to browse the other 136 episodes or our sister website, strengthrunning.com, for more details on strength training for runners, injury prevention strategies, mindset training, and how to optimize your training to always keep improving. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Path Projects. They're a running apparel company that I think is doing a lot for the running community. They're online only, making them reasonably priced, but they use excellent materials that makes for some really high quality gear. I've been loving the Pyrenees long sleeve hoodie and the Sykes five inch shorts. You can actually see me wearing the shorts in our video on YouTube about the Metcon Alpha workout. They're doing something special for listeners of the podcast too. Go to pathprojects.com slash Jason and enter to win one of three $75 gift cards. Since there are three of them, your odds are pretty good. Just don't wait. The giveaway ends on May 3rd. All right. Our guest today is Angie Spencer. You might know her as the co-host of the Marathon Training Academy podcast, coach of the Marathon Training Academy community, and generally one of the nicest and most thoughtful runners I've had on the show. Angie just recently finished a huge challenge, the 50-state marathon quest, and most impressive, she ran her all-time PR in her last race of the challenge. Now, obviously, it takes a lot of planning, motivation, and consistency to run 50 marathons in 50 different states, but Angie took things to a new level because not all of those marathons were marathons. Some were ultra-marathons. And to finish it all off with a big PR is just the icing on the cake. So today, she joins us to talk about structuring a challenge like this, the mistakes she hopes you'll avoid if you decide this is right for you, and the training changes that needed to take place to help her thrive with the marathon distance, even as she was getting older and running a lot more of them. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Angie Spencer. Angie, now that you've done 50 marathons or longer in every single state, you're not done. You're done with marathons forever. Oh, <laughs> or, definitely uh, you're, not. You're going to keep going, right? Yeah, I'm going to keep going for sure. So this is one of those challenges that, uh, you know, my sister-in-law is doing the same thing, although she's kind of on a hiatus right now, obviously. Um, but that's a, a, a big part of that is because she's she has two little kids. But um you know, what was your reason for starting this kind of a challenge? Because it's even if you're only, uh, even if you run a fair number of mount marathons per year, this is going to take a while, isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. Unless you can totally quit your job and devote yourself 100% to running, it's something that's going to take you, you know, 
maybe years to decades to complete. Um, and it's one of those goals that kind of came about organically. Uh, so I didn't run my first marathon till back in 2008. And of course, at the time, running one marathon was a huge accomplishment for me. It just felt like, whoa, you know, I've done this marathon. Um, at the time, I had two little kids at home. And so it was, you know, challenging with all the moving parts and everything. And I was just happy with that. But there was part, you know, something in the back of my mind that I knew that I was not done with the marathon distance. Um, so about the time I think I was running my fourth marathon, I was um, waiting around before the race and talking to a couple of ladies and they had these shirts that said Marathon Maniacs. And so I said, you know, what, what does Marathon Maniac mean? And they're like, oh, it's a club where we run a lot of marathons and to qualify, you just have to run two marathons in two weeks or three marathons in 90 days, you know, just. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, that's, that's a lot. That's really impressive. Um, and, and then I told them, I'm like, but I could never do that. You know, I've got, at the time, I had three little kids at home and just a lot of demands on my time and attention. And they said, oh, you'd be surprised what you can do if you put your mind to it. And so that just kind of stuck in my head, like, wow, there's people out there who are taking on even huger challenges. And so that didn't get go out of my mind. I eventually completed um, the Marathon Maniacs qualification. And going to more races, you see people who are like 50 state finishers or who are working on their 50 states. And it just became one of those things like, wow, that would be really neat to say that I've been able to do a marathon in all 50 states. Uh, we love to travel, love to run, love to do races. You know, that would just be such a great goal. So it just kind of came about as I continued on in my my marathon journey. Those are some of the best goals, aren't they? Those goals that you just can't get it out of your head. And, <laughs> and I think when you keep thinking about something, that's when you know you've got a goal that really excites you. Exactly. And it that's one of those things where whether it's any kind of race goal, it has to come from deep down because especially with something like the marathon or doing multiple marathons, if you're doing it for someone else, you're doing it because someone pressured you, you're doing it maybe because you kind of have more superficial reasons, you know, that motivation wears away pretty quickly when the going gets tough. And so like you said, it really has to be something that comes very organically from deep down that just won't go away. <laughs> Right. Now, I imagine since this took you uh, just about 12 years uh, to accomplish this goal, you know, you probably had a whole variety of reasons to keep going for, uh, for such a long time. Did any of your reasons evolve over time? You know, I think I, I guess I didn't really overthink it in the beginning. It was something that I was willing to take a while to do. Um, I guess I, I, at one point I had in the back of my head, oh, it'd be really cool to complete this by the time I turned 40, which was in 2018. And I didn't quite meet that goal. But at the time, you know, by the time I got to the spot where I was 40, I was like, oh, this is fine. You know, there's no rush to complete a big goal like this. So I was very much okay with taking time and just really savoring the experience of training for the races of being able to travel to them, meet listeners and other runners along the way. Um, so, and I tend to be a pretty self-motivated person. So I, you know, I, when I have a goal that I kind of sink my teeth into, I'm going to like hang on to it no matter how long it takes me. So, you know, there were different, different levels of excitement during the whole journey. Sometimes 
you know, it was like, oh, it's another marathon. <laughs> um, you know, and, and some of them I was more excited about doing than others, but they each were special in their own way. And the process of completing each of them was very, very unique. Yeah, it's almost like every training run that you go on, not every run is going to be incredibly exciting or you're super motivated to finish it. But at the same time, you do it anyway, because that's kind of the journey that you're on. Now, you're in a kind of an enviable position being a podcast host. You have uh, a big audience, and I'm sure that that community was really helpful to you as you know, you kind of got going with this challenge and you were, you know, more than halfway done. And so I'm sure that community was was really motivating and kept you on track. Yeah, we started the MTA podcast back in 2010. And so at that point, I'd only run two marathons. So listeners, especially those who've been with us from the beginning, have gotten to see you know, dozens and dozens of marathons. And as my journey has progressed from being a relatively new marathoner to becoming more experienced over the years. And I guess I really wasn't expecting the level of excitement that people had for me. Um, you know, some of them just really got invested, like, oh, we're, we're, what marathon are you going to do for this state? Or, you know, they just really are such a supportive and encouraging community that that really became one of those surprise aspects that kind of kept me going. And um, during marathons when, <laughs> you know, maybe it was a really tough mile, I would just think to people, think about people in our community who have been so encouraging or people who have really, really difficult challenges that they're going through and, and how they're keeping their spirits up and keeping a good attitude. And it would just remind me that, in a marathon, I'm choosing to be there. You know, I'm choosing that pain. I'm choosing that discomfort. And there are so many people who can't choose their pain. They can't choose the hard things that they go through. And I think that's one of the, the beautiful things about a marathon is it's, you know, really you're getting yourself into it. You go into it knowing it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be hard, but it's also a very transformative process. Yeah, absolutely. I The marathon, there's this great quote. It's like, if you want to run a race, run a mile. If you want to experience life, run a marathon. And I know I'm completely <laughs> butchering that, but that's no, the I general spirit of it the quote. It is true. You go through the whole specter of emotions, you know, just in those 26.2 miles for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm glad the, the community was backing you up and supporting you. It's, you know, that's, that's just the running community. You know, we're all looking out for each other. And, you know, it's like if you run a PR or you accomplish some big thing, that never takes away from someone else. So I've always found the running community to be, to be so incredibly supportive. Now, I know a lot of other folks have this same exact goal, you know, this 50 state challenge. Um, what were some of your biggest mistakes as you ran a marathon in every state? And, and what, what might you advise other runners to avoid? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I didn't realize in the beginning that I would have to be as dedicated to recovery as I was to actually doing the marathons and the training miles. Um, when you're doing multiple races, you know, especially multiple marathons in the space of a year, you really have to dial in things like your sleep quality and quantity <laughs> for that matter. Um, things like, you know, doing strength work to keep yourself injury free, um, your nutrition, uh, keeping, you know, your stress level balanced. And I, I think there's so much that goes into successfully running marathons and I didn't really have a good grasp on that <laughs> a lot of a lot of the time. And I kind of, in a way, I'm trying to think what year it was, 
maybe 2015, I kind of almost ran myself into a hole where I had a lot of stress in my personal and business life, you know, trying to keep all these balls in the air. Plus, I was doing a ton of races, you know, not prioritizing sleep, not prioritizing my nutrition like I should have, you know, skimping on the strength training. And it just kind of got to the point where my body said, you know, this is enough. And it, and it kind of threw me into a hormonal imbalance. And I'm not blaming it all on the running because I know a lot of women who get into their late 30s and they deal with these issues, even if, you know, they're not endurance athletes. So I think it's, it's just kind of one of those things that we often go through. But, um, you know, it taught me a lot. And even though if I was wiser and could go back and rebalance a few things, I think it would have been very helpful. It did teach me a lot um, about my body and about also how to help coaching clients and listeners who may be going through the same thing and hopefully, you know, help them reel themselves back before they kind of step over that, that cliff of overtraining or in injury and things like that. Yeah, that's really important. You know, I've always said that, you know, you can, if you're training for a 5k or even a half marathon, you can get in a couple decently length runs and almost fake your way through the race. (laughs) And if you have a bad race, if you don't run as fast as you want, well, it's like, who cares? You know, you still finished, but with a marathon, it's so different. You really can't fake your way through a marathon and, um, you know, you're going to end up walking, you're going to end up in a lot of pain and, and the risks with doing something like that are much more severe. You know, your recovery afterward is going to be, you know, three, four times as, uh, uh, difficult if you don't go into the race in shape, properly prepared. And, you know, like you said, well-fueled with good nutrition and, you know, strong. So many things are just so critical for running a good marathon. And then (laughs) you adding in not only running a good marathon, but running a marathon every couple months for basically a decade, you know, that's really taking things up a whole level and you have to just take everything so, uh, so seriously. Yeah, that's a great point. I think, like you said, the marathon is going to reveal your weaknesses and it'll also bring out some of your strengths too. So there's the, you know, the flip side of the coin, but yeah, it's not going to let you get away with as much. Would you have done anything differently if you were to start this challenge today? I guess I live by the philosophy of not regretting anything. So there's definitely things that I could have done better, like we kind of touched on before. But it's, it's my journey. It's, you know, it's the way that it happened. And I think I wouldn't have learned as much if I'd done it any differently. So yeah, I'm I'm just really happy with how I've been able to grow and learn and hopefully become a better and more compassionate person with myself and with others over this journey. So yeah, I don't think I would change anything, even if I could go back and you know, dial in some things because (laughs) it's made me the person that I am today. And, you know, I might not have had those insights if I had been able to go back and do it perfectly. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the the whole learning process uh, part of running is really important. And, you know, you can't learn as much if you make the right decision, the best call, every single decision that you have to make when you're planning your training and your race schedule and all that. So, you know, the, the coaching side of me definitely wants to say, well, what about 2015? You could have taken your training more seriously and, you know, your recovery and all that. But at the same time, maybe you needed those, you know, whether they were poor races or just not feeling well to, to get you to take things more seriously. 
Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I will say that it's very difficult for people to do both quality and quantity races. I mean, there's a few outliers that I can think of who seem to do, you know, they're really prolific with long distance races, and they're also really fast or, you know, can do some really quality races, but it's challenging to balance that. And so I think people who are taking on a challenge like this, you've got to realize that not every marathon is going to be a PR, nor should it be a PR. So you kind of have to prioritize your races and, you know, think about how your body is feeling, where you're at, um, with your recovery, maybe what the course is like, what the temperature, the weather is like. There's a whole lot of factors that go into it. Um, because I think a lot of newer runners, uh, maybe as they're getting up to, you know, half marathons um, and then maybe the marathon, they think, oh, you know, I'm just going to get faster and faster. And if I don't get faster and faster with every one, then I'm doing something wrong. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, I think, especially if you're going to be doing multiple marathons or trying to, do you know quality races? You kind of have to pick one or the other, um, and and it's not like you can only have one goal at a time. But you kind of have to work your schedule a little bit differently if you're pursuing multiple goals, like getting faster and also doing you know maybe a fifty state challenge or something like that. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because you know the, the folks who can run a lot of long distance races and do them really well at, you know, fairly fast speeds compared to their ability. They're more like the exception to the rule. I'm thinking folks like Mike Wardian, who, you know, is constantly running ultras and marathons and everything, you know, in between and shorter. And and he seems to stay healthy and he does really well and he just loves it. But, you know, those people don't really tell us what we can do. You know, we're, we're the average runners out there. You know, these are the elites, the pros, and they're elite for a reason. They've been given some genetic gifts that most of us just don't have. So yeah, we, we do definitely have to choose between some of our goals um, and in which to prioritize uh, at, at what time. Exactly. And I think everyone's an experiment of one. And so sometimes you you know, kind of err on the side of doing too much. Sometimes maybe you don't push yourself enough. And so, you know, it can be really challenging. But I think if you're dedicated to the process and and also having the long-term goal of being a strong, healthy runner for life, that will also help you set your priorities. Because for me, you know, the 50-state goal is awesome and amazing. But at the core of who I am, I'm a runner. And I want to be able to be a strong and healthy runner you know, for as long as possible. So that's the most important goal to me. You know, it's more important than any one race or any one, you know, long-term or short-term goal. Yeah, that sounds like a process-oriented approach where, you know, you're not going to sacrifice your health or your long-term prospects in the sport by, you know, over-prioritizing the upcoming race that's on the schedule. I'm glad, exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. Now, uh, I know you said you were a very self-motivated person and, you know, you mentioned dedication. It, was there any point during this kind of 12-year stretch where you, where you were thinking or debating, maybe I don't want to follow through with this, or was there a time where you wanted to put it on hold? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I wouldn't say that I ever gave up on the goal, um, but there have been many marathons <laughs> where 
it has gotten uncomfortable. And maybe there was a point, you know, like mile 21 or 22 when I thought, why didn't I pick a different hobby? This completely sucks, you know? (laughs) And I would think, (laughs) okay, just get to the end of this marathon, just get to the finish line. And then you never have to run another marathon again. You know, so I'd like kind of tell myself that knowing that I wasn't going to give up on my goal. Because of course, once you get to the finish line, you're like, that was amazing. You know, when can I do it again? Kind of thing. (laughs) So there have been plenty of races where I've hit, you know, maybe kind of a mental wall or, you know, physically not feeling well. And I've kind of, you know, jokingly told myself, okay, this can be the last marathon, um, but never really seriously uh, thinking about quitting. (laughs) Good. I'm glad to hear that you're a runner. Like you said, you're always going to be running. Maybe I just have a a high pain tolerance or, you know, a kind of (laughs) (laughs) like to do hard things and, and force myself to you know, keep chasing the next goal. I don't know. <laughs> well, we both have kids, Angie. So, you know, the, the, the ability to tolerate a lot of pain, I think comes with parenting. Oh, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Certainly. <laughs> um, now I wanted to ask you how in the world did you run a personal best in the marathon 12 years after starting this challenge in the very last marathon that you had to run, which was actually this year, this past January? Yeah, that that is definitely something that had me scratching my head a little bit. My my previous PR had been back in 2012. So I was, you know, like in my early 30s and then to go on and run a PR at age 41 was, you know, very exciting and I guess something that maybe 2 years ago I wouldn't have seen. Um but I think there's three main factors that I can point to that have really Um, help me get on this current trajectory. Um, The first thing is just consistency. You know, I've been doing this a while. And so I've really learned to listen to my body through a lot of my mistakes and um, really kind of dialed in the recovery piece of the puzzle. Um, I I prioritize my sleep, which of course, it's easier now that my kids are older and I don't have babies at home. (laughs) Um, um, Sleep is really important to me. Meditation, um, focusing on cross-training, things like that. And I think just getting to the point where I've been injury-free for long enough that I've been able to run six days a week. So getting more consistent with my training. Um, I've always been a pretty low uh, mileage runner. I would say um, I've never gone over 60 miles per week, which is pretty low for a marathoner, um, just because I tend to get injured if I, I push it above that. Um, So kind of just figuring out what works for my body and consistency. Uh, The second thing I would say is regular strength training. Um, About three years ago, I really realized that was a huge piece of the puzzle that I'd been missing on a consistent basis. I would, you know, strength train here and there and, you know, was kind of semi-serious about it. But I kind of developed a hamstring issue And I realized it was because my glutes were weak. And so my hamstrings were having to take over for my glutes a lot. And I was like, you know, this cannot go on. If I'm going to continue to have a future with marathons, I have to get these imbalances worked out. And so I really dedicated myself to strength training and not only just strength training, but also, you know, just lifting heavy, not being afraid to lift heavy weights. And, you know, that has just over the years paid compound interest. And I will say that I'm, I'm benefiting from that, um, starting that, you know, a few years ago and, 
And the more that I stick with it, the better I feel. And that just kind of motivates me to keep with it. Um, so yeah, definitely the strength training. And the third thing would be dialing in my nutrition. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I went through a hormonal imbalance for a couple of years and unfortunately gained a bunch of weight, even though I was, you know, running a lot and training and just could not get rid of the weight. And so just over a year ago, I started working with a nutrition coach and uh, she has helped me be able to lose 32 pounds of fat and just being able to know how to fuel my body so that I have energy during the day, energy for my training, um, and also get the weight off that I didn't need has been pivotal in just that third piece of the puzzle and helping my marathon times to drop. So yeah, I don't think it's any one thing, but it's just kind of like was a perfect storm of good things coming together um, to be able to run uh, almost a 10 minute PR. And there are so many good things that you just outlined there. I mean, I've, I've long said that consistency is the secret sauce to successful running and you know, you're, you're living and breathing that. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about each one of those different things. So you mentioned, you know, you were able to stay healthy for long enough so that you were able to run six days per week. I think running more days per week is, is always going to make someone a better runner provided that they can do it safely. How long did it take you to get to the point where you could run six days per week? Because I assume that, you know, for a while you were probably a three, four day a week kind of a runner. And then, you know, things started picking up and progressing from there. Yes, definitely. Uh, when I ran my first marathon, I actually ran five to six days a week. And it was a complete disaster because it was too much for my body. I got injured. My IT band was a mess. My knee hurt the entire marathon. I had, you know, all sorts of problems develop. And so after that, I kind of recalibrated and realized I needed to have a more balanced training plan. So at that point, I started to run three days a week until I was healthy again. And my PR from 2012, I ran on four days a week. So I had pretty good success, you know, even improving my times and being able to run a Boston qualifying time on four days a week. And so I stuck with that for quite a few years because it was working well for me. I was able to um, build in cross training on the other days. And, you know, with young kids, it's often difficult to fit in all the pieces. You know, if you're running a lot of days per week, plus trying to strength train or cross train or different things like that. Um, so that was kind of a happy medium for me for many years. I would say about two years ago, I start. I went up to five days a week. And stuck with that for about a year. And then maybe a year and a half ago, I bumped it up to six days a week and, you know, have been sticking with that pretty much ever since, you know, maybe other than like the couple of weeks after a marathon, I might cut back a little bit just for more recovery and things like that. But so it's been kind of a gradual process. And I've kind of surprised myself like, wow, you know, this is actually working pretty well. And like I said, I'm still not a high mileage runner. Um, training for this recent PR in January, I I would say I think 57 miles per week was my my peak week. So it's still not a lot of mileage, but it's spread out over the week pretty well. And I also had time to, you know, do a lot of strength training in there as well. So it was kind of the perfect, um, you know, finding the puzzle pieces to fit together perfectly for my lifestyle and, you know, for how I was feeling. And you say that, you know, mileage in the 50s to up to 60 or so is is relatively low mileage. And 
I would definitely agree with you, but at the same time, you know, most recreational runners, even marathoners, are not running 50 to 60 or more miles per week. So I, I think that's a, a good number of miles for the adult, you know, non elite runner who is trying to train for marathons. You're going to get a lot of fitness from that kind of mileage. Um, you know, and it, it's interesting too. I talked to a lot of runners who, you know, ask me what kind of mileage should I be running? And, you know, it's one of those questions that's really hard to answer because <laughs> everyone's unique. Yes. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of give them an idea of certain mileage levels that, you know, typical types of runners might run. And, uh, you know, in, at the college level, when I was running cross country and track and field, you know, most of the distance runners were running anywhere between 60 and 100 miles per week. But we were training for much shorter races, you know, up to 10K. But, right. You know, that was the, the the longest distance. So, you know, at those at those levels, the, the university college level, the elite level, they're going to be running a lot of miles. But for the for the the average runner, the recreational runner, runners like me and you, um, that's I still think that's pretty high mileage, Angie. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it definitely depends who you compare yourself with. And I'm not ever going to be an elite runner and I'm fine with that. Um, so like you said, it's a very individual thing. And I think sometimes um, runners, as they progress in their training, they kind of tend to think that more is always going to be better. And like you said, there's a point of diminishing returns. You really have to look at your overall um, health and your fitness and staying injury free and all of those pieces, because just running more miles isn't necessarily going to give you better results. No, you have to do it the right way. And it certainly has to be right for you. I, I'm exactly the same way with 90 miles per week. I've run 90 miles or 91 miles a couple times in my life. And every single time I've done it, I have then followed up that week with an injury. So yes, isn't it weird how it works? There's like that threshold that if you go over it, or you, you know, you dance around it too much, that something bad is going to happen. <laughs> and you don't really know what it is until you try it a couple of times. And you're like, oh, okay, I get the picture. Yeah, it's one of those learning processes, right? That yes. you, you do need to fail a couple of times <laughs> for, for you to really learn that lesson. Exactly. <laughs> Now, uh, when you started working with your nutritionist and, and you lost a ton of weight and it sounds like you're really happy with the results, what were some of the big differences in how you ate both before and after you started working with this dietitian? Was it you know a wholesale change in your diet or just a couple key strategic tweaks? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess before I started working with her, I mean, I've always tried to eat a pretty healthy, you know, less processed food, less sugar. Um, I've always known those things are not really productive for my goals. Um, but I guess I really didn't realize how important for me that things like nutrient timing were and dialing in uh, specific macros for my energy needs and my training. And so before, I really did not have any idea of how many calories or any kind of macro breakdown of what I was doing. And, you know, it would be like I'd be going through the day and all of a sudden I just have this energy crash and be like, oh, no, what is going on? Yeah, I'd be busy with something or the kids. And so then, you know, I'd go and like eat a whole bunch of food. It'd take me a while to feel satisfied and be like, okay. And then I would go another long stretch without eating, you know, and, and you know, doing training workouts and not refueling well afterward. You know, it wasn't just, I just wasn't very intentional about it. Um, it wasn't like I was, you know, drinking lots, drinking soda or eating a bunch of candy. You know, we think of like the, traditionally really bad habits that people have, like eating lots of fried food that, you know, it really wasn't that it was just more about 
not really knowing how to um, to eat to fuel my body. And so what's been really helpful for me is breaking down my meals um, through macros into like three main meals and two snacks. So I'm not eating like huge portions of food, but it's really well balanced with carbohydrates and protein and fat. So I feel satisfied. I keep those energy levels um, at a good baseline. And then I'm also able to, you know, do that strength workout and get in that protein and carbs that, you know, that really help the muscles in that moment and also for repair later on. And, you know, knowing really how to fuel those long runs more productively. Um, And so it was just really amazing how my body responded to that. Whereas before I tried a bunch of different things, nothing was working, you know, you get frustrated, you think, is it even worth it? (laughs) So it was it was amazing just being consistent over time. I would say, I think the first six months I lost about 20 pounds. And it is amazing how much better you feel running when you have 20 pounds gone. You know, it's like, pick up a couple 10 pound dumbbells and try to run normally. And it's just really, really hard, you know, and then get into that 30 pound mark and just feeling better all the time. And obviously less injury prone because there's less pressure on my joints and things like that. So yeah, it was, it was a huge transformation for me. Now, did this, this take a long time for, for it to happen? It sounds like, you know, as soon as you started working with the, the dietitian, all of a sudden, you know, you started seeing some results. Yeah, it's funny because we started right after Thanksgiving and I had a bad attitude. I was like, oh, why do I, what, you know, I don't really want to start during the holiday season because, you know, Christmas is coming up and I'm going to miss out on all this <laughs> That is particularly food. cruel, Angie. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'll give it a try, you know, we'll doubt it'll work anyway. So I had like this bad attitude going into it, even though I desperately needed some kind of help and intervention. And just after a couple of weeks, I started noticing my energy levels were better. I was sleeping better. So it was not even necessarily scale related. Um, And then of course, the weight did start coming off. And I noticed differences in my running. And of course, once you start seeing progress like that, it's really motivating to continue. And And just also learning that, you know, it's not like you can never have treats or things that you like. You can also, you can really build those into your diet. Um, But it's about like, just not, you know, falling off the wagon and giving up. It's it's about getting back on the horse, you know, even if you do have a a day where your eating doesn't go exactly according to how you, your ideal plan. And so learning about balance and I would say, you know, it was a year long process to learn to lose that weight and get to a really good racing weight for me. And also one of my goals along the way was not to lose muscle, but actually to build muscle mass. Um, So we were, you know, really working on that and prior to prioritizing protein intake and things like that, because I I don't want to just be skinny, you know, I want to be strong and lean um, and have good muscle mass, because I really feel like that helps as a long distance runner. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. The goal isn't to lose weight and get skinny. The goal is to get to an appropriate weight for you as an individual and and maintain your strength. Or if you haven't been weightlifting, you maybe want to build some strength. And maybe that includes, you know, adding a couple pounds of muscle. But, you know, if you're losing a lot of fat, then, you know, it's a, it, it's certainly a, a good trade-off and, you know, the, the non-scale 
oriented benefits that you started experiencing things like better energy and you just started feeling better on your runs you know i think those are some of the things that you know this kind of an intervention is most helpful with um you know the weight is almost secondary like yeah like let's get to your healthy weight but don't you want to feel better first don't you want to you know be out there as a runner and feel more confident and feel more competent so i think that's all just as important as just the weight itself Yes, I 100% agree. And as you kind of, you know, keep promises to yourself and see the see the benefits of being disciplined in your nutrition and you see all the payoffs from it. Yeah, it does help you show up as a more confident version of yourself. And then you feel better about taking on new challenges. And yeah, just it's just really a great cycle that feeds into itself. And so yeah, it's not like it's not like the goal is getting to a number on the scale or um, anything like that. It's just about becoming the best version of yourself that you can be where you have that energy to keep up with your kids. Um, you have those muscles that are starting to show and you can be really proud of the strength that you're gaining and things like that. Absolutely. Uh, now you mentioned another challenge. How do you feel now that you're done with your 50 state challenge? Are you itching to, to set your sights on something else or, or are you just going to be sitting on the couch for a little while? <laughs> well, I feel really privileged because I finished my 50th state in January in Hawaii. So that was an awesome place to finish up. Highly recommend Hawaii as a uh, race destination for sure. And then I, you know, I kind of decided that this year I was going to maybe run some more local races and just kind of go where my curiosity took me um, because I got, had gotten really focused on finishing new states. So I kind of didn't really want to repeat certain states, even though there were races that I really liked in those states, you know how, and being close to home, I would like not do a certain race because I was prioritizing, you know, a state that I hadn't done yet. So I kind of thought I'm just going to open myself up and you know, kind of see where the universe takes me with this. And then I was able to run a half marathon PR in the beginning of March. And I hadn't run a half marathon forever. <laughs> um, and so I really hadn't tested myself at that distance. So it was a lot of fun to kind of take my marathon fitness and turn it toward the half marathon. Um, and then I signed up for the Pittsburgh marathon in May, which is a great race. It's not too far away from where we live. And then, of course, the global pandemic happened. So, yeah, that's changed kind of the race schedule for a lot of people, I'm sure, who are listening to this, this episode. And uh, once that race was, was canceled, they gave us the decision, you know, you could decide whether to get your money back or do it virtually. And I kind of thought, you know, I'm going to do the virtual race. I've never done a virtual marathon before, so this will be really interesting um, and so I decided to do that and actually completed it this last weekend. And so I don't know, right now there's nothing on my race calendar just because the future kind of seems a little bit uncertain with, with how things are going to shake out. Oh, actually I lied. I did get into the Marine Corps marathon this fall. So if races are going on this fall, I definitely plan on running Marine Corps again. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to register for some others, but Right now, it's just all about, you know, kind of entering a new phase of training since it's a little bit uncertain with how uh, things are going to go in the, in the coming weeks and months. And I just really made it my goal this spring to just get stronger. And um, so I've really been kind of hitting the weights more and enjoying that and, you know, keeping up more kind of a, 
a relaxed running schedule, you know, with really nothing on the calendar that I have to do. I just find that I get to kind of run and pursue my curiosity and try new routes and, and different things like that. Well, I think you've deserved it after running 50 marathons or longer in 50 <laughs> states, Angie. Um, and, you know, it's funny, you know, you've, you've finished 50 marathons and then you signed up for a bunch more races. I, I just love it. It's like a great encapsulation of, of runners. <laughs> right, exactly. I know I'm not alone with that. <laughs> no, no. Now, um, how do you, I, I have a couple more questions just about this whole 50 state thing, because I, I find it so fascinating. And, you know, I admittedly, it's not a challenge that I really have any personal interest in. Um, but, you know, how did you go about picking the races in each state? Do you basically just try to choose the most exciting marathon or ultra in each state and go with that one? Or do you have some other strategy that that we're not aware of? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Because when we, I started this challenge, we lived in Southeast Missouri. And so we were surrounded by quite a few states that were drivable. And we're at a time in our lives when our kids were pretty young. And so we would often just kind of make it like a family race weekend when I would go do a marathon. Um, often my mom would come along to watch the kids. So maybe Trevor and I could run uh, or both run the race and everything. So we, I kind of picked off all the drivable distances around where we lived. Um, and then at that point, it was like, okay, I'm going to have to either start taking longer trips or start flying to these events. So you had, I had to get a little bit more strategic um, about choosing my marathons. And I really tried to make sure that it didn't like take over our family's life. Um, we've got three boys and they have sports and there's, you know, a lot of different activities going on. So I would try to maybe choose races that were on like a three-day weekend uh, that we could all go to. Or when the boys got older, you know, I, I would often go to races by myself. Um, and so it was kind of sometimes like you know, can Trevor stay home with the kids this weekend while I go? And then another weekend, he'll go do his race while I stay home with the kids. So it was, there was kind of a lot of like negotiation that went into it. Um, and I would often kind of look at different races online, like marathonguide.com or running in the USA is also a really good website um, for finding races. And I would kind of, I just kind of kept like a running list on my computer of the states that I needed to complete. And I would often like, put in there ones that I would really like to do if I could, but often it came down to the timing of it. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe we would be in this, it would be summertime, we'd be traveling through a bunch of states to go see family. And I would be like, oh, you know, I need Colorado. What marathon fits in during this time frame that we're going to be going through here? Um, I'd be like, oh, let's see, the Leadville Trail Marathon <laughs> fits into that time frame. Okay, I guess I'm going to do this race, you know, this is going to be a new challenge. Um, so a lot of it was just kind of opportunistic. Some of them were planned more in advance. Um, like, you know, certain ones like Alaska is going to be a lot more challenging to get to than maybe something in the continental U.S. Um, so some of them were planned further in advance and stuff like that. And I think I did a pretty good balance of small, medium, and large races, um, so I kind of really got to enjoy the smaller races, um, you know, the more personal vibe and just kind of the easier uh, logistics in the morning and things like that. Um, so I've kind of come to appreciate different sizes of races. I mean, there's something that's really exciting, like about the Chicago Marathon or 
um, Boston Marathon or, you know, ones like that. But there's also some really great smaller marathons out there that people don't think about that really provide a great experience and often, you know, just really beautiful scenery as well. This is uh, sounds like as much of a logistical challenge as it is a running challenge <laughs> to get 50 marathons in in 50 different states. Yes, it was kind of funny. Um, in the f- this last fall, I had signed up for the Hartford Marathon in Connecticut. It was the middle of October. And I was trying to like plot out the rest of my states because after Connecticut, I only had three more states to do. And Trevor's like, you need to finish up in Hawaii. He's like, you can't finish up your 50 state challenge in Vermont. You know, that would just be, would be lame. And I'm like, why not? You know, I mean, Vermont is a great state or whatever, you know. Um, but he kind of convinced me that Hawaii needed to be the last state. And so I found um, the Revel Coolia Marathon in Hawaii. It was in the middle of January. So I had Connecticut bookend on one end and then Hawaii. And then I needed to fit in Vermont and New Hampshire in between. So then I ended up doing like three marathons in 25 days because, you know, you kind of don't have as many choices in the Northeast during the winter. (laughs) So I kind of had to hurry up and get my other two states done so that I could finish up in Hawaii in January. And um, so, yeah, that was that's kind of typical of how it went a lot of the time. Well, I think I agree with Trevor. You got to end your challenge in a, in a great place. And while there's nothing wrong with Vermont, I'm a New Englander, you know, born and raised in New England. Uh, you got you got to finish it up with a nice vacation in Hawaii. Yeah. So it ended up being perfect. And, you know, so he, he was right. I admit it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. That's right. <laughs> uh, Angie, I didn't realize that you just ran a virtual marathon this past weekend. You, yeah. you mentioned kind of in passing. How did that go? It went really well. Um, my sister and I were both signed up for the Pittsburgh Marathon. It was her first marathon in five years. She had like four kids and is doing kind of a comeback marathon. And so we'd been kind of training together loosely since we live in the same town. And so once the race was canceled, I kind of said, do you still want to do this virtually? I mean, we can do this together. Um, and we both decided that we wanted to to still run the marathon. And I thought, you know, doing a virtual marathon is going to be a new challenge because I've done other virtual races before, um, but the farthest distance was a half marathon. So I thought, you know, the marathon will definitely show us what we're made of. So we found this really nice kind of rural trail that we were able to do our virtual marathon on. And we did it last Saturday and just had a really great time. And um, I kind of, you know, kept more at my sister's pace, but yeah, it was great. We we really enjoyed each other's company and and ended up having a beautiful day. So it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, these virtual races have really been popping up everywhere. Uh, I've done my first couple of virtual races over the last month. I did a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon oh, organized awesome. by uh, Matt over at the Rambling Runner podcast. So um, they've been really fun. Uh, I, I still think I prefer racing with other runners because <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any competition or there's no support from the race whatsoever. And it can be kind of lonely out there. It's a, it's a tough way to suffer on the race course. Yeah, it's definitely a whole new beast. You really have to, I mean, you're inside your head more because like you said, there's less things to distract you and then you have to be self-supporting yourself. And, you know, there's a lot of different moving parts, but I think it's kind of a a fun challenge, especially during this really just weird and challenging period of time that we're in. Um, 
I think it can be a great way for people to use their hard-earned fitness that they've been training for weeks and months for races and also kind of help them build their mental strength too because it does take, you know, extra guts to be able to go the distance alone. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I was definitely struggling out there myself and I had no idea that they were going to be so hard. But like you said, I, I think it's a great way to test your fitness. I think it's a great way too to connect with the broader running community because there's so many other people doing these virtual events. And so while you're not with them, there's so much camaraderie around it, both before and after the race virtually that uh, I think you know, given where we're at right now, it's the next best thing. You know, we can't line up, you know, on the starting line altogether, but we can kind of do it by ourselves and then, you know, rejoice in that great post-race glow afterward. Um, now, Angie, you and Trevor are planning a virtual race as well, right? Is it called the social distancing run? Yes, that's correct. Our community kind of approached us and said, we need a virtual race. Uh, we typically do one in the fall every year. Um, but so it was kind of the brainchild of Trevor and kind of, got, you know, got group think in our, our training group and people decided the social distancing run should be the name of it. And we had a great medal designed. And yeah, we've opened it up for registration. We've had thousands of runners from all over the world sign up. There is a free registration option where you can download a you know, PDF of a bib if you want. Um, there's also a paid registration if you want to get a medal sent to you. So yeah, we are really excited about having as many people join in as possible. And like you said, with the whole community aspect, we've opened up a Facebook group associated with it. And I think it's just been a great source of encouragement and motivation for people. Uh, there's a lot of people who are just getting back into running um, right now during kind of the quarantine weeks because their gyms are closed. And so other forms of exercise are often closed to them. But, they, you know, they say, I can still get outside um, and I want to get back into running or I want to start running for the first time. So it's been really fantastic to see just how it's, it's grown. And, yeah, we would love to have you take, take part in it. So when is it? Uh, in what distance is it? I, I think there's some flexibility, right? Yes, there is flexibility. Um, we are not at first we we were going to say, you know, there was a date that you had to run your race by, but we're kind of leaving that more open ended now because we don't really know, you know, when quarantines are going to be lifted and things like that and when races are going to be. Um, be going again. And we want to give people a chance to train for their event appropriately as well. So it's, it's pretty open-ended, you know, obviously by the end of 2020, <laughs> people should complete their event. Um, and you get to choose your distance from 5k on up. So we've got lots and lots of people who've chosen the 5k. We've had a lot of 10k runners, half marathon, marathon. We've had um, people going over 50 miles. I think the furthest distance someone has done is hundred K. So yeah, it's it's really amazing that people are, you know, just like I said, taking their hard earned fitness and they're, you know, making the best of a very difficult situation. So are you accepting any any kind of race? Can I submit like a 3000 meter steeplechase result and, and that'll actually count? Maybe I'll be in my own category and I'll be the not only the winner, but the last place finisher as well. 
Yes, 100%. Yeah. If the virtual race, everyone gets first place in their age group, you win. Yeah, it's, it's great. And you know, we've had people do it on treadmills. Um, Some people have done it in their yards, on their balconies, you know, in different countries, different cities have different restrictions on people going out. So we've seen some people get really, really creative on where they've decided to do their race. And yeah, it's all about wherever you want to do it and how far and just kind of go from there. So awesome. Well, I like I said, I do want to sign up for it. Where can we go and and learn more about this and register? Yeah, just head over to marathontrainingacademy.com forward slash social. Social. Okay, that's easy. Yeah, marathontrainingacademy.com forward slash social. So yeah, that would be great. We would love to see more people over there and we can cheer each other on virtually. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to, I don't know what kind of race distance I might choose. Maybe it'll be a little bit of an offbeat distance. Uh, might go back to 8K like my old cross country days in college, but we'll have to see. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, Angie, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I, I loved hearing about how you went about your 50 state challenge. I think the lessons of just consistency and strength training and dialing in your nutrition are uh, just so valuable for runners who not only, you know, maybe want to complete a challenge like this, but, you know, that's what you have to do if you want to get the most out of yourself, no matter what, whether that's speed, whether that's running a hundred mile trail ultra marathon or doing a challenge like this. So I, I think this was incredibly valuable and the perspectives you were able to share with our audience today on, you know, just how you think about running and patience and being process oriented, just Great stuff, Angie. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, Jason. There we have it, folks. The one and only Angie Spencer. I hope you'll join us for the virtual race we mentioned. You can learn more about that at marathontrainingacademy.com slash social. And I hope that we can compete against one another virtually. Finally, I'm not sure what you're waiting for, but if you haven't yet, enter to win one of three $75 gift cards to Path Projects. They're our sponsor for today's show, and I can't thank them enough for supporting runners right now. Go to pathprojects.com slash Jason to enter. I've been singing their praises for a while now because, well, their gear is award-winning. It's comfortable, affordable, and it uses premium fabrics. I have the Pyrenees sweatshirt, which won one of the top six best sweatshirts for runners award from Gear Patrol, and the Brim FT shorts and Tahoe baseliner won the 2018 Gear of the Year award from Runner's World. So I'm not the only one who loves their stuff. And even though I talked about how great my pair of Path Projects underwear is in the last episode, I'll spare your ears today. You can see for yourself at pathprojects.com. And if you want that free $75 gift card, you can enter to win it at pathprojects.com slash Jason. Thank you again for making this podcast what it is today. We are consistently one of the top five running podcasts in all of Apple Music, and that wouldn't be possible without you. Thank you for sharing these episodes with your friends, and I so appreciate every review. I hope you're well, safe, and healthy. We'll be in touch soon.